This is the January 16, 2024 regular meeting of the Rent Board Commission. I am Deputy Director and Board Secretary Barbara Texador. The Commission will take public comment from members of the public present at the in-person meeting only. There is no longer an opportunity for members of the public to provide public comment remotely unless you have requested a reasonable accommodation from Rent Board staff and it has been granted prior to the start of this meeting. Members of the public. The Rent Board Commission meeting, where the commissioners may be considering your case on appeal, is not an interactive hearing. This will be your opportunity to address the commission, and the process is designed to invite input and feedback from individuals in the community. However, the process does not allow questions to be answered in the meeting or for members of the public to engage in back and forth conversation with the commissioners. City policies, along with federal, state, and local law, prohibit discriminatory or harassing conduct against city employees and others during public meetings and will not be tolerated. General procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting your comment, you will have six minutes. You are incurred but not required to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you're speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate you may hear a timer beeping and you will be informed your time is up. Cooper wants to do item number two, reading of the Renatich Ohlone line acknowledgement. Am I the one who's reading? I need a, a copy for I don't have a copy of this. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Acknowledge that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for the peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, Recognize that we benefit from living and working on the traditional homeland. We wish to pay respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. 
Thank you, President Gruber. A roll call, please. President Gruber. Here. President Gruber present. Commissioner Wasserman. Here. Commissioner Washerman present. Commissioner Tom. Here. Commissioner Tom present. Commissioner Klein. Commissioner Klein not present. Commissioner Mossbrucker. Commissioner Mossbrucker not present. Commissioner Crow. Here. Commissioner Crow present. Commissioner Chan. Commissioner Chan not present. Commissioner Sani. Present. Commissioner Sani present. Commissioner Hung. Commissioner Hung not present. Commissioner Haley. Commissioner Haley present. I want to acknowledge that the following staff members are also present. Senior Administrative Law Judge Joey Kumis, Executive Director Christina Varner, and myself, Deputy Director and Board Secretary Barbara Texador. And one new staff member, Brian Brophy, is observing. Craig Van Spronson is handling IT support. Thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move on to remarks from the public. It is now time for the first of two public comment periods this evening. The second public comment period will occur after the consideration of appeals. Currently, there are no members of the public in attendance at the meeting tonight, so we will move on to the next agenda item. Move on to item five, approval of the minutes to approve the minutes of December 12th, 2023. I'll move to approve the minutes. Second. Any additional subtractions, comments? All for the vote, please. Commissioner Tom? Aye. Commissioner Sani? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? I should recuse, I wasn't here. Commissioner Crow? Aye. Commissioner Haley? Aye. And with that, we'll move on to the consideration of appeals. Start with item A, 3358 21st Street. Landlord appeals a decision granting in part the tenants' claims of decreased housing services. In the decision, the administrative law judge found that rent reductions totaling $13,902 were warranted for mold in the unit and basement. Leaks in the bathrooms and kitchen sinks, lack of working lights in the bathroom and the bedroom, a leaking room, and broken patio floor. But de denied the tenants other claims. Administrative law judge also found that the tenants' base rent would continue to be reduced by $324 for each month for the mold in the unit and basement until the landlord completes the mold remediation and abates the notice of violation Department of Building Inspection. On appeal, the landlord alleges that the administrative law judge erred in his calculation of the amount of rent reductions for the sink leaks and lack of working lights. But the tenants have not paid rent from March 2nd 
to 2000, uh, March 2nd, 2022 to November 30th, 2023, and that the mold remediation was completed on October 13th, 2023. My question is, uh, does this have to be remanded the way this is worded, that the things that are outstanding need to be reviewed? For help from staff? Or which items? Oh, the, um, do we have any, any uh, uh, response to the rent not being paid? That's not in our jurisdiction. Yeah, I mean, that's really just for, for them. I think the administrative law judge in the conclusions of law says the parties don't agree on when the rent was last paid and that if the tenants did not pay the full rent for any period uh, during which the rent reductions were granted or are in arrears, the parties shall make the appropriate adjustments to the announce owed. So, yeah, it might be if they can't agree on how much has been paid then they would have to resolve that in court. Generally, we don't do a full counting of every payment a tenant's made. So. And, and what about the mold remediation being on a certain complete on a certain date? So, yeah, the decision says that the rent reduction would continue until the notice of violation was abated by the Department of Building Inspection. Right. And uh, in the tenant's response, it said that it hadn't that hadn't occurred yet. Right. So it's just, I mean, it's, we don't need to remand it simply to make a finding as to when the NOV was abated. It's just. We need to, to, to alert the, uh, um, the parties that until that, that NOV is. is so a staff member could contact the landlord and just kind of maybe um, go over the decision and explain that that's the trigger. Right. We can restore the rent reduction when the, uh, the NOV is abated. Um, anything further? We don't have an indication that the that the uh, mold uh, the mold violation has been abated. Correct. That's an so isn't it easy to say that the mold hasn't been abated? Given the given the fact that there's no there's no determination by DBI, meaning deny the petition. Sure. Yeah. Denied the appeal. Yeah. 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 I just wanted to make sure that we, we give a reason for a denial. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's apparent in the, in the record here that uh, that uh, on that October uh, 2023 right. date that there was no abatement. It was just some letters that were passed back and forth. Okay. Do I have a motion to deny? Second that motion. Any further discussion? <clears throat> for the vote, please. Commissioner Crow? Aye. Commissioner Sani? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. Commissioner Haley? The uh, appeal is denied. Item B, 1863 Alabama Street, Unit 2. The tenant submitted his appeal 18 days late because he claimed his printer was inoperable and that he had to wait for the appeal form to arrive via mail from the rent board. Should we accept the untimely appeal? I'll second. 
off the road? To find good cause for the late filing of the appeal, Commissioner Sani? Aye. Commissioner Wasserman? Aye. Commissioner Haley? Aye. President Gruber? Aye. Commissioner Crow? Aye. Okay. Um, finding good cause carried. We now move on to the uh, appeal. The landlord and tenant both appeal the decision. Granting the tenant's claim of unlawful rent increase. The decision administrative lodger determined that the July 1st, 2023 rent increase from 1038.50 to 1630.70 was null and void because it exceeded the allowable rent increase available at the time. The ALJ also found that the tenant's monthly rent would continue to be reduced by $25 for a broken dishwasher, but that no ongoing rent reduction would be awarded for the garbage disposal, solarium, and garage parking space since those services had been restored. In the landlord's appeal, he claims that the rent board staff informed him that the amount of the bank rent increase to be imposed and the notice he gave the tenant were lawful. In the tenant's appeal, the tenant alleges that the garage parking space, solarium, Garbage disposal have not been restored for review. I would move to deny both appeals. Again, are we in the position that we should say something? We have two services that I guess that are still not are not being restored. Is that a the same? Way of responding. Well, I think the parties disagree on that, right? That's that was kind of the basis of the appeal. The administrative law judge found that all the services had been restored, except for the broken dishwasher. Right. The tenant claims in their appeal that the use of the solarium and use of the garage had not been restored. Right. Disagreed with the ALJ's findings. Uh, so that's yeah. the only reason to remand it is if you feel that uh, you know that re required some further consideration. But the ALJ found in the decision that all of the services had been restored except for the broken dishwasher, and the landlord doesn't dispute that in their appeal. So what, what do we go from here? Uh, well, I mean, I don't. Yeah, it would be certainly we can either remand so. Certainly on the boards, we can remand it based off the new evidence that was submitted by the landlord and by the tenant about if the, if the services have been restored. I think that's kind of certainly that's the principal complaint right now. Um, or we can deny it and have them submit. This through another appeal, which I think would kind of just kind of kick the can a bit further. Um, I, I personally, it feels as though. If the services being, if there's a reduction in services or not, kind of seems like it changes pretty easily. It doesn't seem like it's very explicit uh, from any of the evidence on when the housing services are being denied or not. Um, it, so I'm, I'm struggling to figure out what is the best way to conclude this when services can change so quickly. In terms of the providing of services, and if it is even in control of the landlord or not, 
So is it possible that they were restored? And this is actually a new, it doesn't sound like it. So the judge found that those services were restored. Right. So the only reason to remand it is if you found the judge made an, an error in the, the findings that she made, right? That there was some sort of error there. In that decision at that at the, at time, time. At the time of point of time, right. right? Exactly. If something has been subsequently removed by the landlord, the tenant would have to file a new petition. Right. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we, we should be amending petitions for people at this level. Oh, no, right. I'm not suggesting you do that. Just providing pathways forward for us to consider as President Gruber requested. Just, I thought that was a question directed at me was, was uh, what are your options here? So yeah. understood. Yeah, I was just providing the options that I think I saw on the table, certainly as, as President Gruber requested. I found it an unusual set of circumstances uh, by the pictures and whatever else. There's obviously uh, another subject going on. And so that's the reason that I brought that up. It's not apparent that they know what they're 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 arguing about. So uh, do I have a motion? Yes. Is there a second? I second that. Any discussion? Call for the vote. To deny both the landlord and judge appeals. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. Commissioner Haley. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Crow. Aye. Commissioner Sani. Aye. The uh, Alabama uh, uh, appeal has been denied. 2043 Taylor Street, the tenant appeals the decision granting in part landlord's petition for a capital improvement pass. On appeal, the tenant alleges that the cost of the new water heater and windows should not be certified as capital improvement pass-throughs. Since the landlord replaced the water heating system for his own benefit, the square footage in the garage and the windows only needed to be replaced due to the landlord's deferred maintenance. Move to deny. Second. Discussion. Call for the vote, please. To deny the appeal. Commissioner Wasserman. Aye. President Gruber. Aye. Commissioner Crow. Aye. Commissioner Sani. Aye. Commissioner Haley. Petition has been denied. That completes our appeals. Now we'll move on to item four remarks from the public. It is now time for the second of two public comment periods this evening. Both public comment periods tonight are for general public comment and for all items listed on the agenda. For all members of the public, general procedures have not changed. You will have three minutes to provide your comment. If you have an interpreter interpreting comments, you will have six minutes. You are encouraged, but not required, to state your name for the record. If you are giving comment regarding an item on the agenda, please state which item you are speaking about. Please note that anything you say during public comment cannot be used as evidence with regard to the item on which you are speaking. Once your time is up, staff will so indicate you should hear a timer beeping and you will be informed your time is up. You will now take comment from members of the public here in the meeting room. Please step forward one at a time. Um, I'm just 
on. I missed a little bit of the um, hearing, but I wasn't sure what happened on 6A43358 21st Street. Um, would you be able to tell me what the decision on that was? So I could comment if necessary. Uh, on uh, 3358 21st Street, the appeal was denied. Okay, great. So, um, also, as, as for the tenant, there was 1 section in that appeal that I asked for with respect to, um, I believe it was the patio porch. And there, there seemed to be a error in the, um. In the issue, a technical correction. Okay, so that that is going to be correct. what it is. It won't adjust. It won't affect the amount of the rent reduction. It was simply. Um, the administrative law judge. I think it was $50 and it should have been $100 to make it. So it's not going to affect the amount of the rent reduction. It's simply that the. Decision incorrectly states leaking roof instead of patio deck. Even though the amount requested were originally was a hundred and not right. so administrative law judge reviewed your appeal and determined that it was simply just an error in the text of the uh, conclusions and so it just needs a technical correction, but it's not going to change the um, the amount of the reduction. Thank you so much. That was it. I appreciate that. Now that members of the public have given comments and there are no other members of the present, we'll move on to the next agenda item. Communications. Evening commissioners. Uh, this is executive director Christina Varner. You should have received an article from Mission Local, um, and today an article was forwarded to you from uh, also from the New York Times. And you should have also received departmental workload statistics for November 2023. That is all. Director's report. Thank you so much, President Cooper. Uh, good evening, Commissioners. Uh, Executive Director Varner again. Um, Firstly, tonight, I would like to introduce yet another new rent board employee. Um, I'm very excited. Uh, Brian Brophy is one of the rent board's three new administrative law judges. And Brian comes onto the rent board with uh, Susan Lee, another uh, outside buyer who you will meet at the February commission meeting, and Anita Pando, who was formerly one of the supervisors of the rent board's public information unit. And Brian, come, uh, Brian comes to the rent board uh, after having served as an ALJ at the Oakland Rent Adjustment Program. And prior to that, he worked as a tenant attorney in both private and nonprofit. And please welcome Brian to the rent board. Um, and hopefully you won't see appeals of his decisions across your desk anytime. Brian and I used to do cases together. <laughs> welcome, Brian. Um, on to less fun business. Uh, so rent board fee invoices have been mailed out. So please tell your colleagues and friends and uh, tenants should know that they don't have to pay their portion of the fee to their landlord until the fee is actually paid by their landlord. Um, so the timely fee payments are due by uh, end of the day on March 1st. So 
if someone thinks they haven't received an invoice and they should be receiving an invoice to please uh, contact uh, 311 and they can assist you. Thank you so much. Um, as well, uh, reporting into the housing inventory was quite low last year. So please encourage those, you know, to report to obtain their rent increase licenses. And we will be engaging in further outreach and partnership to encourage owners to report. With regard to outreach, uh, public information unit staff, Aaron Morrison and Liz Chang presented to tenant advocates at the Chinatown Community Development Center, also known as CCDC, on January 11th. And after the pandemic and time passing, there are a lot of new advocates and staff need refreshers on salient rent board topics, including rent increases, tenant hardship, hearings and mediations, and appeals. And so this is an, an important partnership for the rent board, so we are pleased to, that this has happened. Um, that was a very, very good outreach. Um, any questions so far? Um, so legislation, uh, the update from December, it, nothing has really changed. Um, both of these uh, piece of legislation currently at the land use committee are sponsored by Supervisor Melgar. They again are uh, Board of Supervisors file number 231185, which would amend the planning code to change the conditional use, use authorization requirement for removal of an unauthorized dwelling unit. And currently conditional use authorization is not required to remove a UDU where the Department of Building Inspection has determined that there is no path for legalization under the building code. But under the proposed legislation, that exemption would be eliminated, and instead, the planning code would exempt removal of a UDU from the conditional use authorization requirement only if it does not satisfy open space, dwelling unit exposure, or minimum floor-to-ceiling height code requirements. Um, and the legislation would also create a new exemption from the conditional use authorization for removal of a UDU in a single-family home if the owner resides in the primary dwelling unit at the time of application. The UDU has not been rented for consideration in the last 10 years, except to a qualifying family member. The owner intends to reside in the single family home for a period of three years after removal of the UDU. And the owner enters into a regulatory agreement with the city, subjecting the single family home to the rent increase limitations of the rent ordinance. That's pending. That's pending. That's pending, yes. Um, also pending, uh, sponsored by Supervisor Melgar at land use is um, uh, Board of Supervisors file number 231224, which I talked about last month, the one that would amend the housing code to authorize occupants of residential dwelling units to sue a property owner for substandard housing conditions as defined in housing code section 1001 if the conditions uh, pose a substantial risk to the occupant's health and safety. An occupant who prevailed in the lawsuit could get attorney's fees, an order that the owner must remedy the violation and or actual damages. If any of the occupants were younger than 18 or older than 65 or disabled, then the owner could have to pay up to three times the occupant's actual damages. Um, and that is all I have for the director's report today. I would be happy to entertain any questions before uh, we move on to budget discussion. Part of the light was here. I'm thinking that uh, triple damages means that uh, there's a decision in an amount that's uh, stated. The amount is, is what is owed to the tenant. 
And that could be triple. Is that the way I'm going to say that right? Sorry, President Gruber, are you posing that question of myself? No, I'm just talking to myself. Um, okay. uh, uh, I'll, I'll deal with that later. Yeah. The, um, um, is that it for the? Uh, That's all I have for the director's report today. Director's report. Short. Yes. Um, then old business uh, item A, proposed amendment to rule and regulation section 10.10 .10 regarding tenant rights to organize uh, legislation. We need to move that again. Uh, Mr. Implies not here anymore. Okay. That's right. We don't need to vote on that. Move it to the next uh, agenda item, next, uh, next uh, meeting. New business being uh, item 10, we'll move on to new business. Uh, Item A, fiscal, uh, fiscal year 2024-25 department budget. Oh, it is January. You're in budget season. Welcome. <laughs> We've been pretty busy working on budget preparation. Um, I firstly wanted to give thanks. Barbara has been participating uh, her first time in governmental budget preparation, which is very exciting. Uh, and give a lot of thanks to Catherine Chu, who is our finance and operations manager, and Michelle Lamb, who is our uh, finance analyst. And uh, both are phenomenal and making our lives a lot easier. So I will I repeat that on a daily basis. Um, so I want to begin the discussion regarding the department's fiscal years 24-25 uh, and 25-26 two-year budget. Um, I'll begin very simply and basically. The budget is composed of its revenue and is expend its expenditures. So the revenue is primarily comprised of the funds generated by the rent board fee collection. The rent board calculates its revenue based off the current rent board fee amount of $59 uh, that amount is calculated by the controller multiplied by the number of units that are being assessed and uh, that number of units has grown, um, but is shifting. I would say on a fairly regular basis, um, fiscal year, uh, 2025. Yes, I was just going to read the number. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, fiscal year, you're ahead of me, President Gruber. Fiscal year 2025 projections show around 219,770 units. Um, and that number is, it, it is changing um, as we uh, get word of new construction that's finally coming on the assessor rolls or it decreases based on uh, owners who contact us and request exemptions from the fee or other a variety of other things happening to units, which would um, exempt them from being assessed the fee for that particular year. Uh, allowing for approximately a 90% collection rate of the fee, together with other smaller revenue sources, we project approximately uh, 12.2 million in fiscal year 2025 and a little over 12.2 million in fiscal year 2026. Um, the rent board's expenditures are comprised of salaries and fringe benefits, non-personnel services, materials and supplies, and then work orders with other departments. Uh, the largest of the expenditures is salary and fringe, numbers that increase annually and sometimes biannually due to COLAs, step increases, and other negotiated increases. 
The vast majority of the department's budget goes to pay labor costs in the department about right now approximately 65 uh, to 70%. The department has grown, as you know, due to the work required by legislative mandates. And so, therefore, salary and benefits costs have risen. Um, in the present year, fiscal year 2024, uh, this year arrived with three vacancies in the public information unit and the department saw three other key positions become vacant for half of this year. Other positions remain vacant for the first quarter of fiscal year 2024 and then were filled while other positions opened up after the first half of fiscal year 2024. So I provided you with the department's organizational chart that indicates present vacancies. So there's a little bit of uh, insight into sort of how those things have been fluctuating. And frankly, this is a chart I update, I would say monthly, given the amount of hiring and, um, you know, attrition and various things that have occurred um, during the course of the past two or so years. Um, so these vacancies, which, you know, well, they're difficult to deal with in the present, uh, they also help to create salary savings that the department can use in the following fiscal year. So in this case, in fiscal year 2025. And the current savings are projected to be about $1.8 million, thankfully. Fiscal year 2026's numbers are a bit more challenging. Uh, so fiscal year 2026 will likely require the rent board fee to be increased by $2 or more per unit, as the number of vacant positions will decrease in fiscal year 2024, our present fiscal year, and fiscal year 2025, so there will be less salary savings to rely upon in about a year and a half. Uh, the costs that are presently budgeted for the move and tenant improvements will be encumbered this year. And so expenditures will be reduced uh, with the Department of Public Works Architecture and DPW Bureau of Building Repair, as well as the Department of Technology and other related costs. So those, those costs will just simply be carry forward budget next year and they will cease to be part of the overall budget uh, for, for next year. With regard to other costs, we have allocated about $750,000 in funding towards technology project modernization, uh, both in fiscal year 25 and 26, with reduced costs in fiscal year 2027 for uh, ongoing maintenance. We have regular ongoing database licensing and software costs, as well as ordinary business machine costs and materials and supplies. Finally, we are working to clarify and potentially reduce certain work orders with other departments based on billing trends over the past five years. And uh, some of those items we know for sure is that we, we will continue to maintain a work order equal to about three full-time employees with the SF311 Customer Service Center. Um, we have a work order with the treasurer and tax collector for processing our fee collection uh, and delinquent fee collection on which we are assessing the number, uh, but current, presently stands at 120,000 per year. And then the work order that we have with ReproMail for processing our notifications, invoices, uh, and mail will increase and generally increases about 10% per year. Uh, ultimately, as I was stated earlier, our early projections show us with a projected uh, $12.2 million in revenue for next fiscal year and that we will have about $1.8 million in salary savings to bring us into the fiscal year. So 
we will be in a decent position for next fiscal. Um, the challenge will be in the following fiscal where we may have to seek to raise the fee. So, Commissioner Haley. Last meeting, you mentioned something about how the, 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 the budget that the city was the mayor's budget was putting together and that our levels had remained the same. But this is we're just an independent budget based on the fees. That's right. We're an enterprise department, right? So we, you know, we generate our own revenue, as they say. So when they call for cuts, then we're not we're spared those. That is right. It's not a decision, though. That's just a matter of fact, right? right? An autonomous. That's right. And and we generate our own fees. So basically, our only instruction is to balance within budget. That's our that's our instruction. Now, that's not to say that. If the trend is to not increase fees as a particular policy issue, okay, right? Um, thank you. Uh, then that may be the case, and so we are being very conservative to remain at fifty nine dollars next year, assuming that even if potentially there's uh, an indication that the fee should be raised next next fiscal. Um, I'm not sure, you know, if that would happen, but certainly for the following, it, it, it is critical. The only external influence is whether there was a decision to, to lower our fee or to do we have a good approval for the fee to increase from anywhere. The approval is from the controller's office, um, but the mayor's office does ultimately approve. Yes. Commissioner Sonny. Yeah, uh, can you talk about the changes in unit counts from fiscal year 2022 to 2024? Like, does that actual number numerical change? Because I'm assuming that would be the main factor for determining yes. what our fee is. You know, I think I don't have that exact number with me, um, but I would be happy to uh, message the commissioners and let you know what that exact number was from last year. Um, last this or sorry, this. This present year, it's an odd thing because we start collecting the fee on March 1st, and then it kind of funds the following year. Um, but it was it was it was quite similar this past year. Uh, the we, we there was a lot of new construction that increased the assessor's secured role in 2022, and so we were able to capture a lot of those numbers in 2023. But because of the current climate, there's less. Uh, new construction in 2023 that we've been able to apply that that uh, would be assessed the fee. So it's it was approximately I want to say 200 220,000 units um, that were assessed before, um, but we are you know not to get too deep in the weeds. There were. For a variety of reasons, data reasons, how the assessor's role looked, you know, how we were able to pick up the data. There were a number of units that we were unable to assess last year that we were, we have assessed this year. And some of those, we, it hasn't obviously because we just started the invoicing period and we haven't found out about all the new data and information yet. Some of those have determined to be actually exempt um, from the fee when we were kind of initially relying on them. Um, to generate fee uh, revenue, uh, so it, it's kind of moving around. But the two nineteen thousand number right now is, 
you know, it's holding around that number presently. Okay. Yeah. Um, sorry, a few more questions. No worries. Uh, so I know that you said that within this budget year due to salary gaps, we're going to have a savings about 1.8 million. Is that, uh, and that we're going to have, is that savings then being applied to the next fiscal year? And so Correct. That's for them having an increase there? Correct. So then it's assumed that we're going to, there is a pretty, there's a, if there, if our salaries were, if all the vacancies were full, there are no more vacancies in the office, we probably would have to increase our fee regardless. Probably yes. Due, due to regular uh, salary increases and, and, you know, benefits increases. Do we have a tracking of the fee over time? Well, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm assuming that our fee increases probably need to adjust based off of salary increases and just the cost of employment. So uh, I wonder if that's something that we guide our budget increases by that the fee is increased based off of just salary increases. And that's something that we, we track as well. So that would certainly help in terms of communicating to the mayor's office and the controller that these fees are increasing, but they're increasing based off of just salary increases. Yeah, no, and that's a great point. Yes, those are things that have been communicated in the past to uh, the controller about the increased uh, expenses in the department um, and how that balances. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then where are we within this process? So um, you've certainly communicated that our foreseeable budget issues in the future as well as the current budget. Um, I know that the budget operates on a two-year cycle. So is this kind of what we're dealing with right now? And this is just kind of projection for what we could look out for the future. Um, is there a desire for the commission to comment on the budget right now? This is just kind of your initial take on the budget for this year. But I guess what would be, what is the kind of schedule of events that we should be looking out for? What's next after this conversation? Yeah, so after, so what we're doing on a daily basis is going line by line through, well, we've done a couple different things, which we've been really fortunate having a bit of a bigger team to be able to give more attention to very detailed areas. So. For example, doing a 5 year look back at our budget versus actuals and how we're being billed by other departments and how we're spending. And does it make sense to continue to, uh, you know, put, have certain funds allotted to certain lines versus others, right? So doing a more granular analysis. Um, and then determining, you know, if you want to reduce existing work order budgets, you have to. Uh, agree right with the other department. So they, you know, there has to be a conversation had. So individual conversations are being had uh, presently about, you know, actuals by other departments currently to inform next year okay. or trends over again the last five years, how we've been billing, what kinds of things we're billing on, etc. So like I stated, for example, with 311. You know, when the inventory and fee was given to us, we didn't know what that, what kind of traffic that would generate. We had an idea, but we certainly didn't know. And so the first year we budgeted rather conservatively and, you know, they, they knew how much staff to put on it at their end, et cetera. But now we have concrete numbers for two years. And so they're able to, you know, confidently say, we're we're budgeting at 3.7 
FTE, full-time employees, but we can really round to three the way, uh, because, because this, year, this past year, there have been an increased number of contacts compared to 2022, but a reduction in the number of service requests escalating the matters, which take more time, right? So um, they don't need to budget up to four, which is good for us, right? So it's just, we have to think about um, what that means as far as the increase in salary and fringe Understood. for those positions. Yeah. So, yeah, those are that. So we're having those conversations and then what will happen is that I will prepare a final budget. So we, we let me back up. We're in what's called the department phase. So where the department proposes it's it's budget um, that will be uh, loaded into the system as it were uh, by uh, February 21st. And then it will enter mayor's phase where the mayor's budget office will review all the citywide budgets. Um, they will review our budget and then determine if adjustments need to be made based on wide variety of factors. Um, and then after that, it will go to the board phase, which is where we present to the board of supervisors and then they ultimately have to approve our budget, you know, or with modifications potentially. Um, so, uh, prior to our next meeting, I will sufficiently prior. So you have time to read the proposal. Um, I will present a memo to you, um, outlining basically what you have heard here today and then requesting that a vote be taken on the budget at the next board meeting. Okay. So we'll, we'll get it in writing to the outline of the budget. Yes. Um, and. You know, we know a lot of things now, you know, we're just trying to pin down some. More certain numbers about unit counts and things like that. Um, and again, those, some of the conversations about work orders. Uh, to make sure that we're, you know, we really want to be. We operate on pretty thin margins. Let's, you know, we don't want to like. Mince words here, you know, it's. It's it's thin, and so we really want to look and see where we are, you know, could be spending smarter. What we need to allocate um, for for the work that we do, and there are not a lot of areas, you know, there there isn't really a lot of, um, you know, fat to trim, as it were. Um, so we're just trying to be smarter within the lines where we spend. Um, I, I think surely in the memo. Providing the questions, uh, information, the questions that I asked, like the unit changes, as well as um, just lining future increases based off of what we think salary increases would be really mm -hmm. helpful as we communicate that. Because then, as a department, we can certainly plan for those increases. And I think the comptroller will also be aware that these are coming down the line. Because I think certainly the desire certainly is not to increase the fee for sure. Sure. No, and I mean we feel the same way. It's only like we don't. We don't want to propose an increase for fiscal year 25, and it looks like we won't have to, fortunately. Um, but it does look like we will have to in fiscal year 26. Um, the uh, and I will certainly provide those those numbers to you, um, Commissioner Sani. I do have to say that um, labor negotiations are opening yet again. It feels like they just closed and MOUs were just signed, but. Um, they, they are opening again. And so, you know, we, we not, can't necessarily determine a lot of times in mayor's phase and in board of soups phase is where 
um, the uh, salaries and fringe numbers are loaded into the budget. Things that maybe you didn't, you saw a slightly different number in February. And then by the time June rolls around, the number, you know, looks different to you because of these known factors of, of fringe uh, increases and in salary increases. Is there any uh, aspect of the budget that uh, you believe is uh, essential to the organization? Uh, so areas of growth or things that you think will add efficiency to it or um, in, in, like initiatives that you think will really kind of progress the mission that you think is important highlighting in this conversation today? Or if you don't know that off the top of your head, certainly bringing that up to the memo. So I do think that as we enter into conversations with the mayor's office and with the board of supervisors, us having a clear understanding of the things that we need to protect would just be really important for us to talk about early. Absolutely. Well, I think preliminarily, I'll just say, I, I mean, the people are the most important. It's, it's, it's extraordinary how much contact we have with the public and the small details that we sort of engage in. It's really, um, you know, uh, a knowledge economy. And so, it's it's a it's a lot of very um, time consuming engagement about our law and sort of helping people understand their rights and responsibilities under our law. So I think, you know, obviously the most important thing to us is maintaining positions and staffing, um, and not decreasing uh, positions or staffing. Um, now that is to say, though, also the mayor has made it abundantly clear. That there is not to be any decrease of uh, filled positions, right? So it's just vacancies that that are being looked at citywide right now. Even in enterprise departments. Say that one more time. In enterprise departments. I mean, it wasn't explicitly stated, but you know, okay. it's if there are certain trends and policy trends across the city, you need to take notice of that. Yeah. Understood. Okay. Um, I'll just leave it at that for now. Gotcha. Okay. Thank you for your questions. I appreciate them. Are any of our members unionized? Say that one more time, President Gruber. I'm sorry, I could not hear you. Say again. Say that one more time, please. I could not hear you. Yes, are any of our members unionized? Any of our members unionized? Please or quality members. Employees. Yeah. Uh, all employees yeah. belong to a union in our department. There are Four, un four unions, four unions represented in our department. They're talking about possible uh, union activity. Would that affect us? Um, I mean, it's it's possible that some staff may be participating in union activity. As they are allowed right. to do. We have no strike provisions in our MOUs. Um, so, I don't see that occurring. Any other questions, comments, um, desires for next meeting, which is in 3 weeks, just a note coming up quite quickly. When do you think you'd provide uh, the budgetary memo? So sorry, can you say that one more time? When do you believe you'll be providing the budgetary memo? At the earliest convenience, I would like to provide it soon. It's a matter of uh... understood. Yeah, <laughs> I write down previously what you were saying. Okay, this this <laughs> having something in front of you would be. And I'm happy to speak about it if you you know you have some questions. You know, feel free to to call me if there are questions about it. Um, 
Any other questions? Does that conclude the uh, department budget? For today, yes. And that's okay. again, that item will be an uh, old business item uh, next. Any further questions on the budget? Sure, there will be. Wait, let's. But we have we have one more thing we want to do tonight. Not on the budget, but we have another item we want to raise. Um, we recently had a passing of a member of the. We got it. I'm so sorry. I apologize for not having uh, included that. Completely fine. So we recently had a passing of a member of the rent board, uh, and uh, Commissioner Washerman and Christopher Gruber. I uh, wanted to certainly just speak to uh on behalf of the member. Thank you. To the uh, contribution to the commission um, and their wife. I'll leave it to you. Thank you. I was going to read something that was prepared, prepared earlier, if that's okay. Thank you. All right. With heavy hearts, we remember and honor the life of an extraordinary ind individual, Jim Hurley. Jim passed unexpectedly on the night of January the 2nd, 2024. He was not just a dear friend to many, he was a pillar of strength, a passionate advocate for property rights, and a cherished member of our community. Jim lived on Coleridge Street on the west slope of Vernal Heights, where he embarked on a mission to restore the grandeur of his home's original Victorian facade. The property had lost most of its charm with the original facade removed generations before. After he purchased the home, Jim set out to restore the facade and return it to its original Victorian grandeur. His dedication to preserving architectural beauty soon transformed into a broader passion for property rights, leading him to play a pivotal role in shaping the San Francisco Apartment Association. An accountant by trade, Jim's financial expertise was matched only by his commitment to cause. His involvement in the SF Apartment Association's transformation into a professionally run trade association in the early 1990s showcased not only his financial acumen, but also his deep understanding of the importance of balanced property rights. Uh, Jim's journey continued as he became a cornerstone of the SFAA, serving as a treasurer for many years. His thoughtful guidance in financial matters and legislative lobbying was instrumental in the organization's success. Appointed by Mayor Newsom, Jim served as a commissioner on the San Francisco Rent Board for an impressive tenure, navigating the challenging challenges of the position with grace and insight. Beyond his professional endeavors, Jim was a perfectionist in property management, ensuring his buildings were immaculately maintained and he kept respectful relationships with all of his tenants. His camaraderie with fellow leaders and property rights organizations, such as the Coalition for Better Housing, reflected its dedication to the cause. Jim's friendship with Norm Larson, a fellow preservationist, highlighted not only his commitment to property rights, but also his support for the LGBTQ plus community. A city known for its diversity, Jim found a home where his friendship, activism, and business coexisted, and where he made a real difference. While we mourn Jim's incredible journey, we celebrate his legacy of a tireless advocate for property rights. Jim Hurley's impact on our lives and our community will endure a testament to the lasting power of friendship, activism, and dedication. So it's very, very sad. I is you know, we know that uh, Jim was. I actually took his seat when he retired, and uh, uh, personally, I was glad that his uh, nephew reached out to me on New Year's Day and said, are you in town? And I said, yes. And he said, well, come over to Kaiser and say your goodbyes. And I was able to do that before he passed. So, uh, anybody. How old was he, Dave? 72, I believe. He had some health issues. Thank you. No, thank you for 
putting it together. Thank you, Commissioner Wasserman. Very much. Calendar items. We have the February 6th, 2024 regular in person meeting here at 25 NS Avenue, room 610. Um, so far, we have one appeal consideration. We also have the fiscal year 2024-2025 departmental budget and our own business. The reader of the Rematush Ohlone line acknowledgement will be Commissioner Haley. Further discussion? We're adjourned. Thank you all. Thank you.